Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee, a servant of the Lord for over seven decades on five continents, culminated his ministry with a 21-year, book-by-book exposition of the entire Bible, which he called a life study. This life study is the basis of our program today, which includes short portions of the spoken messages given by Witness Lee. Now, let's join today's life study. On one hand, God can be quite easily seen. At least His work is clearly identifiable, both in creation and in our hearts. On the other hand, God is quite hidden, or we could say God is a mystery. Actually, the Bible says there are mysteries related to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Let a man so account of us as of ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. What are these mysteries? That's the focus of our fellowship today and life study of the Bible as we are still in this wonderful book, the way it's being unfolded, 1 Corinthians. Ron Kangas has joined us again. Good to have you, Ron. Good to be here, and it's a delight to be able to fellowship on this particular portion. Ministers of Christ, that may be somewhat commonly used, that expression, Mm -hmm. but stewards of the mysteries of God. Uh, What are the mysteries of God? according to the New Testament. And what does it mean to be a steward of these mysteries? This is quite a precious matter to uh, enter into the genuine ministering of Christ and the authentic carrying out of the stewardship, which will convey to God's people the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God, of course, uh, well, we know... God so far exceeds our capacity to understand. In one sense, there is probably little opportunity that we'll have in this dispensation, in this age, to fully comprehend. But God has very clearly, very precisely made some aspects of this mystery quite available for us to know, hasn't he? What we really need to know has been unveiled in the Word. But having said that, I think we need to confess that what is unveiled in the Word needs to be properly and faithfully interpreted and expounded. So although we have verses that speak of the mysteries of God and Christ is the mystery of God and the church has the mystery of Christ and the great mystery of godliness and the great mystery Christ and the church, we may read the verses and kind of take things for granted until a minister of Christ and a steward of the mysteries of God in a good sense causes us to pause and to ask, what is this really? What are these mysteries? And how are they related to God's eternal purpose? And how do they intersect with our personal Christian life? These are the kind of things... uh, that we need to know, and I'm happy to say that uh, we can receive a lot of help even from the ministry included in our program today. Hmm. Well, there are several references, as you just pointed out, to uh, the mystery or mysteries of God in the Bible, particularly the New Testament. Let's read just a couple, I think, that would serve as a good backdrop for Witness Lee's first portion today. Colossians 2 has a verse, a verse 2, that says, "...that their hearts may be comforted, they being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, that they may know the mystery of God, 
even Christ. And then uh, the second mystery is unveiled, I would say, in Ephesians, a few places, but chapter 3, verse 4 is one, by which in reading it, you can perceive my understanding in the mystery of Christ. So we have the mystery of God, which is Christ, and we have the mystery of Christ, as you pointed out a moment ago, the church. These are at least two of the mysteries of God unveiled. Let's join Witness Lee. Chapter 4 is a chapter on these two words of the mysteries of God. In the New Testament, mainly in God's economy, there are two mysteries. Firstly, the mystery of God, that is Christ. And this is clearly defined, revealed in the book of Colossians. Christ is God's mystery. We know God himself is a mystery. He is real, he is living, he is invisible. Yet, this mysterious God is embodied in Christ. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father, he says. So, Christ is God embodied, God revealed, God defined, God expressed, and God seen. This is Christ as God's mystery. This is the first mystery in God's economy. Then the second mystery is the mystery of Christ. And this is revealed and explained in the book of Ephesians. Especially in chapter 3, you do have the term the mystery of Christ. Christ is also a mystery. Christ is a mystery, yet the church is the manifestation of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the expression of Christ. When you see the church, you see Christ. When you get in the church, you get into Christ. When you touch the church, you touch Christ. So the church is the mystery of Christ. Two mysteries. This is what Paul means in this chapter. These two words of the mysteries of God. This means Paul was a steward of these two mysteries. The mystery of God, that is Christ, and the mystery of Christ, that is the church. Ron, really the focus of our message today, on one hand we are seeing the mysteries unfolded, but really this key word associated with the mysteries in the first verse we read is the matter of the stewards of the mystery, isn't it? It is. The stewards are the persons... And perhaps in a, another program, or at least uh, it's in the life study based upon uh, Paul's testimony, the character and the person of the stewards are quite crucial. But here we're looking at, um, I would say, an obvious matter that by being obvious we may miss, and that the stewards are conveying a particular content. And there could be no higher content than this, the mysteries of God. 
Chris, I find it almost astounding that God in his grace and according to his principle of having his serving ones co-labor with him would commit to them the mysteries of God, of himself. So it's extremely crucial that the stewards themselves are fully conversant with and constituted with these mysteries, that they need to know what it means from Colossians 2.2, that Christ is the mystery of God, that God himself is a mystery, yet the word says that Christ is the mystery of God. And if we consider this in the total context of the New Testament, drawing upon portions such as the first chapter of the Gospel of John, we will see that for Christ to be the mystery of God means, first, that he is the definition and expression of God. God is unseen. God himself is a mystery. But God is embodied in Christ. Christ is the Word who defines and expresses God. So if we want to know God... We must have Christ. Yet, uh, there's another side, and that is, in the carrying out of his economy, God has a history. And Christ, as the mystery of God, is also the history of God. Because in Christ, as the embodiment of God, God has passed through a process in his economy to become receivable and enjoyable by his chosen ones. So for Christ to be the mystery of God, it's a marvelous matter. If we do not have Christ, we have no way to truly know what God is. People will just vainly speculate concerning him. But Christ manifests him, expresses him, defines him, lives him. And Christ, in his, all the stages of his experience from incarnation through ascension, is the history of God. But then this brings us to another mystery that How do we know Christ, and where is Christ, and what is Christ? Then we read not only of the mystery of God, but the mystery of Christ in Ephesians 3, 4, and the mystery of Christ, according to the whole book of Ephesians, Mm -hmm. is not actually the mystery that Christ himself is, but the church as the mystery of Christ, just as Christ is the mystery of God. So now, Christ is embodied and expressed and manifested in the church. So God needs people, stewards, who really understand, as Paul said, have an understanding, a deep understanding, a subjective understanding of Christ as the mystery of God and the church as the mystery of Christ, and who are then faithful to convey not only the truth, but also the reality of these mysteries to God's people or to those among the unbelievers whom God has predestined to be his people. But this is urgently needed today. If you consider the religious scene, even superficially, Mm -hmm. can you say that this TV program and this popular ministry, whatever benefit it may have, does that bring you into the mysteries of God? Would you say that that person conducting the signs and wonders meeting is a steward of the mysteries of God? We're not criticizing here. We're just being factual. 
This is another category of person needed for the carrying out of God's economy, as we will see even the word steward and the word economy are very closely related, and that's no accident. God needs stewards who are filled with the understanding and experience of the mysteries of God. God needs people who really know Christ as the manifestation of God and really know and live in the church as the corporate expression of Christ. Well, let's turn now to uh, verse 2 in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians. says, Here, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And uh, perhaps the common understanding, and we have to say truthfully, a superficial understanding is just to say a steward is a servant, as we'll see unfolded in this coming portion and uh, hopefully in the fellowship we have to follow. There's much, much more implied here than just a servant of Christ. Let's go back to Witness Lee. The word steward is a very particular word. In Greek, it is the same word as dispensation. And it is the same word as economy. And this Greek word, in some places, is translated into household administration or household management. So this helps us to understand a steward in the New Testament is one who takes care of the dispensing of God in his big family. In the ancient time, there were big families. And that kind of families always had stewards. Not servant, but stewards to take care of the dispensing of the life supply, food, clothes, all the daily need to the members of that family. This was, you see, the meaning of the word steward. God has a big family, and God himself is rich. He has a lot of things stored there, which he intends to dispense into his children. So he needs the stewards. In other words, a steward is just a dispenser. And I have to say, Paul is the top dispenser. Paul's ministry is such a dispensing ministry that dispenses the riches of Christ into the saints and into the church, into the members and into the body. All right, Ron, let's uh, touch this matter of the stewardship, the stewards, uh, more than just servants in a generic kind of general way, isn't it? Or at least according to God, it is. Our difficulty is um, we just bring to the Word our previous understanding and concept about just about everything. Mm -hmm. And so we have the word steward, and, you know, we have some realization of what a steward is. But I find it very enlightening when we realize that the word for economy and steward 
and actually also the word for stewardship, they are very closely related. So if we begin, as we should, with God's economy, we will be reminded that God's economy is God's plan and arrangement to dispense himself in Christ into the believers as their life and their life supply and their everything so that the believers may be constituted with the all-inclusive Christ and thereby become the corporate expression of Christ. This is the economy of God. From God's side, this is the economy. But God, in his economy, has determined that he will have some to be his co-workers, co-laborers. And Paul was one, and Paul was the chief among them and a pattern to all of us. So, in order for the economy to be carried out, there must be a certain kind of person called a steward who really knows the economy of God, who is himself fully into the economy of God, and then becomes one who is one with God to carry out God's economy in the way God carries out his economy, and that way is dispensing. God's economy is a matter of God dispensing himself in Christ into us to make us his corporate expression. What does a steward do? A steward is a person who first knows God and God's economy, Next, who is constituted with God and God's economy by having the triune God dispensed into him and then labors faithfully to dispense the dispensed triune God, that is the triune God who has been dispensed into him, into others, so that they would be constituted with Christ to become the expression of Christ. So if we have the two ends as God in his desire for an expression and the other end, the church, the body of Christ is a corporate expression, in between we must have this category of person called stewards. Uh In a very practical sense, everything depends on them. God will not do his work alone. He will not simply bring the church into being the way he spoke the universe into being. There must be a category of faithful ones who are stewards of the mysteries of God. In concluding my portion of the fellowship, I would make a kind of twofold presentation here. First, God's people need to receive this stewardship and the ministry of this stewardship and the content of this stewardship, which is the mysteries of God. Second, I believe that there are some among God's people who have the heart to be constituted faithful stewards, that they may be part of the dispensing ministry. So whether we're receiving the dispensing or participating in the dispensing, the stewardship is crucial. But the stewardship is merely a concept, an abstraction, unless there are stewards, actual persons who know the mysteries of God, the economy of God, who live them, who are them, and who dispense them. 
It is a fact of spiritual history. Brothers such as Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, they were faithful stewards of the mysteries of God. And our burden, even in the life study of the Bible, is also to become stewards and to participate in the dispensing of these mysteries so that the seeking ones among God's people can receive the divine dispensing and perhaps even become part of its continuation, at the very least, to become part of its consummation, that is, the body of Christ becoming the new Jerusalem. Ron, I think that uh, this aspiration to become not just receivers of the dispensing, which everything has to begin there, but to become participants in the dispensing, wasn't as very much on Paul's heart uh, that this would be the result of his ministry. And as you said, these two, at least these two examples that we're aware of in this uh, past century, similarly, their desire was not to bring men to themselves, to their ministry, to their work, but really to impart what had been imparted in them. There could be a reproduction of this kind of stewards. The thought you're conveying is articulated by Paul clearly in his last epistle, 2 Timothy mm-hmm. chapter 2, verse 2. And he charged Timothy the things which you have heard, you know, which you've learned from me and through many witnesses. Commit to faithful ones, that they may in turn teach others also. So this is part of the heart of this ministry, is not to retain anything in our own hands, to limit the participation to a small number, but to point out that God's heart is that so many would first receive the dispensing, be perfected by it, and then to participate in it. But there is one particular qualification, and it's not brilliance, it's not eloquence, it's not power, it's not charisma, it's faithfulness. It is sought in stewards that one be found faithful. Paul told Timothy, these things commit to faithful men. And it's significant that according to Revelation 17, the overcomers who return with Christ at the Battle of Armageddon, they are called, they're chosen, and they're faithful. So we need to know the mysteries of God. We need to experience the mysteries of God. We need to be the stewards of the mysteries of God. But the primary qualification is that we would be faithful. I think a characteristic really quite lacking today Some appreciate power, they appreciate miracles, they appreciate this and that. God appreciates faithfulness, which, I'm happy to say, is actually Christ, the faithful one, wrought into us to be our faithfulness. For after all, in the economy of God, Christ is the center and Christ is everything. It's been good to have you again, Ron. I know you're off for a couple of weeks, and we uh, stand with you that you go and travel in the Lord and in his care and uh, safety and return uh, refreshed and uh, strengthened and uh, able to join us again. Well, I just absorb this precious spirit of fellowship and look forward to more times together in the ministry of the Word. 
Likewise. Thank you again. Okay, time is up. Ron is right. The clock has uh, left us, so we have to wrap up here. Wonderful portion today, a message that I think is well worth all of our time to get into in greater depth. So we hope you'll contact us to find out about receiving the printed Life Study volume. If you'll contact us, toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. And we'll return as we begin another week today and for the rest of this week. We will surely be in First Corinthians. We hope you'll join us for all of these programs. For Ron Kingus today, I'm Chris Wild. Thank you very much for listening. Throughout the centuries, the Lord has recovered many truths concerning His purpose and plan for humanity. The recovery version of the New Testament by Living Stream Ministry presents these crucial truths in a format that is easy to understand and study. This faithful translation of the original Greek text includes outlines of each book of the New Testament, over 9,000 footnotes, more than 13,000 cross-references, charts of important truths, and color maps. The New Testament recovery version from Living Stream Ministry is available at Christian bookstores everywhere.